Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I probably don't need to say this, but you're aware of it. We're in the midst of a flu epidemic. You probably, if you've watched the news, if you've read a newspaper, you know that. You probably know someone who's had the flu. You may have had the flu. You might have the flu now. You don't even know it. Because you can be a carrier of the flu, and it's not manifest itself yet. You know, last week, I think it was Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and when I say last week, I mean like, you know, 11 days ago, 12 days ago, I had a couple in my office for premarital counseling, and uh, we went through the materials, and we talked about the date, and they left, and I think it was a day or two later, they shot me an email. She said, well, we can't really set up the next appointment yet because I just came down with the flu. And if you know anything about that, that means that when she was in my office, she was carrying the flu. So I kept waiting last weekend for myself to come down with the flu. It didn't happen, thank God. And uh, the thing is, is that we get exposed to the flu. We may not even know it. And by God's grace, I've been here 25 years plus, and I think I've had the flu once in all the years I've been here. And I get exposed to a lot of germs. I probably get a lot of colds, but I don't get the flu very often. And yet right now, we are in the midst of what is called an epidemic. We've had dozens upon dozens of people have died because of the flu throughout our country. In fact, just this past week, I decided, okay, you know, with that happening in my office, I would go and Talked to my pharmacist about getting a flu shot. So I went to my pharmacist, great guy, Joe. Talked to Joe periodically. And I said, Joe, I want to line up a flu shot. And he said, forget it. I said, what do you mean forget it? He said, it'll take two or three weeks for it to really get active in your system. And by then, the epidemic's going to be passed. And oh, by the way, it's probably only about 20% accurate. I thought it was 30%. That's what I'd read in the paper. But he said 20%. And I thought, oh, great. So he said, don't worry about it. And I'm thinking, don't worry about it. Interesting line. Many people are worried about the flu. A lot of people are washing their hands a lot, using that, you know, stuff on their hands. A lot of people are staying away from public places, staying away from the hospital, because we're concerned about the flu. And it's interesting, I don't know how many of you saw the article in the packet yesterday. Did you see it about the flu? Primarily, it was about the 1918 flu that hit not only our country, but the world. And I really didn't know the statistics about that flu. I knew, I knew that it was a bad flu, and they talk about, well, when the flu really hit the country. But 675,000 in our country alone died of the flu that year. 675,000. 
They said in the four years during World War I, approximately 20 million died in the war. In 1918, one year with the flu, they guesstimate between 50 and 100 million died of the flu. What a numbers comparison. That's why when they talk about a flu outbreak or a flu epidemic, they get concerned because, again, if you read the article, it basically said we still don't know enough about viruses like the flu. We can try to combat it. We can try to deal with it. There are certain steps we can take. But how it comes about... And how it spreads, we really can't. And then they talked about, you know, there are ways because we're global now and we can get the word out and people can take precautions. And, 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 and they went on and on. But the fact that we have people dying from the flu still today, with all that we have, vaccinations, antibiotics, Tamiflu, people still die. Of course, children and the elderly are the most vulnerable but if you pay attention to the news, people of all ages are dying from the flu. Obviously, it's serious. Aren't you glad you came today? And I bring that up because when Jesus went to Simon Peter's home, and his mother-in-law was there, and she was sick with fever, See, today we might take an antibiotic or we might take some aspirin or Tylenol. But back then, if someone had a fever, you're thinking this very well could be deadly because they had very little that they could do about an infection. Very little they could do about a flu. And so a fever would be something very serious back in the day of Jesus when he walked the face of the earth. And she was in bed. And so they told Jesus, and he had been out healing people. And so he simply goes in, and he takes her hand, and she's healed. Now, the stories that were before in Mark's gospel were told that he had already healed people. He had already cast out demons, the paragraph before. So people knew that he could heal. And so when he walked in the house, they said, you know, this is someone close to us, Jesus. We need you to do something. And what's interesting is we're not told that he did anything in terms of Anything special, any remedy, any special prayer? He merely took her by the hand and lifted her up. Now, we don't know or fully comprehend why certain people are healed and certain people aren't healed. Even during Jesus' day. Why did Jesus choose to heal some people and not other people? We don't know. 
There's no methodology that Jesus always followed when he did heal. Sometimes he did a simple prayer. Sometimes he merely touched someone. Sometimes people merely touched him. One guy who was blind, he touched twice. There's no formula. There's no methodology. Sometimes the people seem to have a lot of faith, sometimes a little faith, maybe no faith at all. Maybe it was someone else who had the faith. When we look for methodology or some kind of system for God responding in a certain situation, there isn't one. We do know that asking the Lord is critical because they asked him. They said, she's sick. And he went and he touched her. And healing took place. That's what we do know. And so we pray for people. And so we ask the Lord to touch people. Because we never know if he's going to choose to heal. But there's another aspect to what he does here. And what she does. He takes her by the hand and he lifts her up. And she starts serving. You know, a lot of times when people get healed in our culture, when they find wholeness again, what usually is their attitude? Oh, good, I can get back to my regular life again. I can get back to doing the things I enjoy doing. See, back in Jesus' day, once again, the reality is she probably thought that there's a good chance that I'm going to die because I have this fever. And Jesus comes in and heals her, and she is so grateful, her immediate response is to serve. When we begin to realize that what we have in life, the gift of life itself, the blessings that we have in life are from the Lord. We want to serve. We want to give of ourselves. That there's a response that happens in our lives when we finally realize this life is a blessing. Everything that we have in this life is a blessing. That I may not be here, that I may not have what I have unless He intervenes, unless He gives it to me, unless He blesses me, unless He heals me. Secondly, then we see Jesus off praying. That's what he does the next day. He immediately gets up early and he's off praying. That's, that's fascinating, isn't it? What might you expect Jesus to do 
because of what he did the previous day and what just happened? And what did the apostles expect? Jesus had just performed many miracles of healing and delivering people from demonic oppression or possession. So he was on a roll. He was getting a lot of attention. And what does he do? He goes off to a lonely place to pray. That's what we're told. And he did that on a regular basis. Jesus was a man of prayer. He prayed before important decisions. For example, when he chose his 12 apostles. He prayed at the time of the transfiguration. He prayed in the upper room. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. But my guess is he got up every morning to pray because he wanted to be clear on his mission. Clear on what God was calling him to. To have a clear head because he was fully human, did not want the popularity and all the attention for the wrong reasons to draw him away from his primary, primary mission. Because he was human, all the attention could go to his head. He wanted to go to the Father and make sure his intimacy with the Father was intact. To be able to come out and say, I only say what my Father tells me to say. I only do what my Father says I should do. I want to be clear on my mission. I want to be clear on my call. I want to be clear what I'm called to do today. And while he's out at this lonely place, reestablishing that intimacy, being clear on what the call on his life is, the apostles say, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. You're a star. You need to come because we want to put you up there again because you're just so popular. And what would most people do? All right, my crowd needs me. I need to go back. My fans need me. We live in a society where people just like to be popular. They like to be stars. They like to be famous. But Jesus prayed to get clear on his mission. And what does he say when they try to get him? He says, I came to proclaim. We need to go to other towns and villages because I did what I needed to do here. I performed the miracles. I did the healings. Why? So that I could get a hearing for the gospel. So people would understand the kingdom of God is broken in. And that he called them to repentance and faith. And now I need to go somewhere else and do the same thing. Because the ultimate goal is not just about this life. It's about eternal life. It's about the gospel. It's about a transformed, changed life. That one's focus would be on the Father. That's why I came. That's what he's saying. Physical healing is temporary. Do you ever think about that? If God heals us, it's temporary. Because we're all going to die at some point. More good news today. Everything about this life is temporary. 
You go to a doctor, you find a cure, you're healed. Lazarus rose from the dead. He died again. Everything about this life is temporary. What Jesus' ultimate goal was in his coming and even doing his miracles of healing was he was pointing to something greater, something better, something that was of ultimate importance. To find healing for the brokenness in our lives, for the sin in our lives, to find eternal life. And that's why he said, I need to go to the next town. I need to proclaim because that's why I came. That's why I came. I don't want myself to get sidetracked. I don't want people to misunderstand my mission and ministry. He proclaimed by his life. He proclaimed by his death. He proclaimed by his resurrection. Everything about why he came was to get the gospel message out. This is about dealing with your brokenness, dealing with your sin and eternal life. That's why I came. Don't be confused. Everybody wants the good stuff. Everybody wants the stuff for this life. Everybody wants to be served by God. They want Him to answer the prayer. They want Him to take care of their needs and their wants. But He calls us to serve. In John 13, Jesus says, You call me Lord, but I come as one to serve, to wash your feet. I call you to love one another as I've loved you, to do the same, to serve. In Matthew 28, he says, Go and make disciples. Two commands. He doesn't command us to find physical healing, but He commands us to serve. And He commands us to proclaim. To take on the mission that He had in this world. For the sake of others. For the sake of others' eternal life. For the care of others. That's why we find salvation. That's why He came for us. Interestingly enough, the word salvation has the same root as the word healing, self. But the healing pointed to something else. And that was salvation and eternal life. That the kingdom of heaven had broken in. But it was for a purpose, for the ultimate goal. For salvation and eternal life for us. And for us to share that with others through our service and through our proclamation. And you know the reality is, when some people came in contact with that, they didn't want it. John 6, when Jesus fed the 5,000. And they said, oh, this is great. And they even followed him. They followed him around the lake. They thought, this is wonderful. He'll just take care of us for the rest of our lives and maybe beyond that. Because he can provide for everything we want. And then he said, you know, the Son of Man came to give up his life and it's going to cost you yours. And they said, whoa, 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 that's not what we're in this for. That's not what we want.
Once the cross comes, they walked away. When Jesus got arrested in the garden and his apostles were standing around, and they misunderstood at that point his being the Messiah because they thought he was coming in to establish his kingdom. They didn't know about the cross and then the resurrection. And Jesus got arrested. What did the apostles do? They split. See, the reality is until people really understand the point of the cross, that Jesus came to give his life because we needed a Savior. And the resurrection, the power he has over sin and over death so that we might have eternal life. And that when he brings any healing to our lives, our response is to serve and to proclaim. By everything about who we are, that's the response. So that others might find the gift that we've been given. See, anything in this life is temporary. But God loves you so much, he sent his son so that you might know eternal life. But not just for yourself. But so that you might serve and bring the message to others. That's the true healing. That's the true gift. When you think about the flu, my prayer for you is you think about a different epidemic that could spread. And it's called the gospel. And that we might help spread that to our family and friends and those around us. Let's pray. Lord, as we read the epistle today, we hear Paul say, I'm willing to become all things to all people that by some means I might win a few. That Paul was willing to pay a price with his life to serve others and to bring them the gospel. That Jesus was willing to pay a price by going to the cross for our salvation. By washing feet. Lord, help us to understand the true gift of healing that we've been given that lasts into eternity, the gift of salvation. Lord, that as much as we might still pray for healing, physically and mentally and emotionally for those around us, that you still bring healing to those in need, that your real desire for us is that we would not only find 
eternal healing through Jesus Christ and the gospel. But that we might bring that to other people. And that as we are lifted up by him, that we would be lifted up to serve. Lord, we pray that a wave, an epidemic would flow in this, in this church and through this church to touch lives and bring transformation for the sake of your gospel in this community and beyond. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.